Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Good morning. I am thrilled to be with you again this week. And once again, we're going to have a really beautiful and rich show. I'm very excited about my guest today and what they're bringing to the table in terms of creating greater love, compassion, kindness, and seeing of one another. And this couldn't happen on a more perfect day with uh, Jupiter conjuncting Neptune in Pisces. It is a pretty powerful astrological day for that type of creative inspiration within ourselves. My email and my ending line on my radio show for years has been in love, of love, with love, and as love. And I've always said that because we are here to be in love all of the time. We are here to activate ourselves with love all of the time. We are here to experience ourselves and one another of love all of the time. But that requires us being as love. Elisa Romeo and Adam Foley's new book, Holy Love, The Essential Guide to Soul-Fulfilling Relationships, says that the problem is that many of us have lost connection with the authentic and unconditional part of ourselves, the soul. How can we connect with another on a soulful level if we do not understand ourselves personally and intimately on a soul level? How can we find a soulmate if we can't see and feel our own soul? They have within the introduction of the book a part about Shakespeare and how Shakespeare conveniently killed off Romeo and Juliet before we could discover if they would have survived the ups and downs of long-term relationship. Yet we believe his intention was to invite the audience to wonder, were they just young, foolish, and naive? Was their love true or merely romantic projection? Would the flame have died down over time, or was it everything Romeo and Juliet believed it to be, a union cut out of the stars? Fulfillment incarnated, the story of Romeo and Juliet has endured through generations because it speaks to us. Married, single, gay, straight, polyamorous, we're all suckers for a good love story. Within even the coldest of hearts exists a spark that in the end wants to be witnessed in love, as love. Despite the layers of protection we placed over them, our hearts still silently sing when the story ends with a kiss The wounded cynic within argues that such a love exists only in fairy tales, but the soul yearns to be truly seen and finally deeply recognized and loved. Elisa and Adam say in their book, there is a higher love, the communion of souls, not to be confused with the hot, explosive, fizzle-out eruption of projective love. And we're going to find out more about that today. Elisa Romeo and Adam Foley are the authors of Holy Love, the essential guide to soul-fulfilling relationships, and co-hosts of the Holy and Human podcast. Elisa is a licensed marriage and family therapist, an intuitive, and the author of Meet Your Soul. Adam is a certified somatic practitioner and yoga instructor who uses spiritual coaching, somatic healing, and his own intuitive abilities to connect people to their soul. He's also quite the musician. Together, they help individuals awaken and deepen their soulful nature within relationship. As married parents of two, Elisa and Adam use practical stories from the trenches of everyday life 
their personal spiritual experiences, and examples from their work with thousands of couples to teach sacred partnership. I'm excited for you to get your own copy of this book and also to dive into the meditations, which they have recorded and accessible, and the links are shared within the book. So the way to get those is to get the book. Welcome, Elisa and Adam, to 1111 Talk Radio. It is a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, happy to be here. This is a hot topic in terms of what everyone on the planet wants. And where I'd love to begin first is the word holy. That that so often is connotative to uh, a certain idea for many people. Why did you call this holy love? And what is holy love to you? We found, especially with our work with couples, that when we come to a relationship problem only using the ego, it doesn't get us as far as when we bring in our soul and our love voice and our wise mind. And so we find that process to be holy when we remember our divinity, when we see our problems from divinity, when we raise our brain state from beta to theta to see that what happens often in relationships is this ego ping pong game of your trauma hurt my feelings. And we go back and forth in reactivity and defensiveness. And we found that to stop that pattern, it's really talking to love about what the problems are that are going on. And a lot of us say that, let's be love, let's talk to love, but then it gets really nitty gritty and confusing in the details. So this book is a very practical guidebook about how to do that and what to do when we're caught in the weeds. It's so easy to want to be in the world and not of it, and yet we are in the world and we very much feel it. We are both, as you say and as the name of your podcast, we are holy and we are human. In your book, you talk about that a core human desire creates three types of people, the pragmatist, the rationalist, and the mystic. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah, well, you know, one reason we included that part about uh, Romeo and Juliet in the beginning is because we really wanted to hone in and, and activate that universal longing that we all have. So we're really all born with this desire to be deeply seen and deeply met. And why? Like, why is that important to us? Why does that become a value for us? And also, how does that change over time? How does our that longing in us, how do we cope with that longing and deal with that longing? And so we noticed kind of some patterns with the couples we were working with, with how people coped with that longing world born with because we all long for that but often we don't get it often we get you know in a relationship where there's something that's blocking us from being seen or we compromise and so so we split these into different categories of sort how we deal with this longing and how we deal with when that longing isn't satisfied and often people will take a rationalist approach where they'll try to become very rational logical about that longing. Well, they'll, they'll say, well, uh, maybe this longing isn't real after all, or maybe it's kind of a human uh, folly. We're just born incorrectly. And so we just really try to logic uh, and use logic to explain our way out of that pain. And so we were trying to invite people to feel into that longing and feel into that pain a little bit more to see what's behind that, what's underneath that. 
Um, another way people often deal with that is we call it the pragmatist, which they become very uh, more focused on the external world than the internal world. And they try to solve that longing, quench that longing, subdue that longing through external success and through, um, you know, busyness of distraction through external things. So we were just pointing out these two different mindsets to try to reacquaint people with that longing and change our perspective towards it. The ego can be so deceptive in in what we've come to believe, and, and we so often identify ourselves as that personality or that ego mind that is carried. But oftentimes, uh, the body is really telling us something else because the body holds our truth. And as you write in the book, our soul has a truth. We are truly multidimensional beings in that way. So I'd like to ask each of you, um, Adam, from your experience in working with people, especially regarding somatic healing, you know, how does one discern the messages of their body if their ego is telling them something different? And, and how do they reconcile that to come to a truth? And then for Elisa, in your experience of that tapping into the soul, the same question, how does one start to really trust the soul voice as opposed to the ego voice? I think we really see it like we are these icebergs where that part that's above the surface that we all see, that's the ego. And the ego is who we think we are. And we come with that word, the ego, from a more psychological perspective. So we're really clear in the book, we're not about annihilating the ego or the ego is bad, but more... The ego's limited, and it's a part of us, and it's on purpose, but it's not all of us. And ego can be distracted and do its own thing unrelated to soul, or ego can be a co-creator with the soul. So the ego is that part of the iceberg above the surface of who we think we are, who we present as. So our roles, our identity, that's like, I'm a mother, a daughter, a friend, I'm, I'm a therapist, I'm... Italian, like all of the adjectives we can identify, basically. And then under the surface is also part of us, part of the entity that we are, but we might be unaware of that part of ourselves. That's the part where our dreams come from, and that's also the somatic body piece. Um, So a lot of times, most of us and most of our society only recognizes the upper part as who we are. And so that can make us feel very alienated and lonely. And it can also be really confusing because it's only part of us. And if we're orienting our whole life around that and relationship, it's really limited and also sets us up for failure a lot of the time. So um, Adam can talk a little bit about too and his kind of yoga training where when you tap into that below the surface body part, people can really be surprised about what's going on with them. Yeah. When I was teaching yoga, you know, every once in a while I would have, you know, everybody go into a pose. And then sometimes like if somebody was in pigeon pose or something like that, they would burst into tears as there was something emotionally being released from that part of their body. And often if I ask them, hey, you know, do you have any words to identify what that is? You know, I would say about 50% of the time they, they could figure that out. And 50% of the time they didn't know. And it didn't really matter if they knew or not. So 
that's that divide we can feel where our body has its own language. Our body is speaking through our emotions and our psychosomatic symptoms. And, uh, and that's also the place that that longing comes from in us that's underneath the surface. So I think that it's so much more important in relationship to really recognize those two parts of ourselves. Because if we're only being seen and interacted with on the egoic level in relationship, often we start feeling sort of a lackluster in life. We feel depressed. We feel a little off, like we don't know ourselves. And we start having psychosomatic symptoms. So that's a great way of, of listening to the language of those deeper voices. I loved a few lines in the section where you were talking about the mystics when it comes to love. And you you write that they were never innately broken, created to crave what they cannot have. They simply mistook love to be of this world. It was that they were seeking to fulfill a mystical longing through earthly means. The mystics are in contact with what is most real. I think that there are many people that are awakening more and more, becoming more conscious and more present. And that feeling of homesickness or that longing for that eternal type of love, that truer love, is something that is very visceral and present within their lives. But yet, it's not the easiest thing to find on this planet. We live in a planet that is filled with constriction, filled with patterns and behaviors and shadows and light. And so, what does the mystic type of personality do with all of that? I think the mystic, as opposed to the rationalist and the pragmatist, has the most courage because they dive in the deep end and they just let that longing, that spiritual call envelop them. And they use the suffering and they use the separation of sometimes the holy and the human to kind of create an alchemical increase in temperature to then guide all their actions. So it's, they're, they're transforming. They're using love as a crucible as an initiation process. And that's when love can really become spiritual as well, because it's not just, did we get what we think we want on an ego level? Did we get the, all the boxes ticked of who we were trying to manifest, but are we in communion? communion and communication with love itself and that's what soul is to us is that all loving all wise voice that we all have access to that still small voice of love and then taking that voice really really seriously instead of just listening to intuition once in a while when we feel good really understanding that that is part of us that's always available and it's really there. And a lot of times it's surprising to the ego, it, it's information. So it's starting to bring the pains of the heart and the questions of like, where are they? Or why is this happening? Or why does this feel so horrible? Or why has this been not working? Starting to bring those questions to that inner all loving, all wise voice. We have a lot of exercises that are really specific that help people kind of prompt certain questions um, and answers from their soul so that it starts to become more aligned, the, the physical world with what the soul is intending. I definitely agree that when we have relationships, whether they are our child-parent relationships or friendships, and most specifically romantic relationships, 
it is this coming together of two people in order to grow at a soul level. And so as we look at this world, we really do live in a world right now that is filled with a lot of trauma. There are so many individuals that are holding their wounds. Uh, It is often said that, you know, women carry wounds in one type of way, men carry wounds in a different type of way, and this creates many types of disassociated patterns between them, which often gets people to break apart rather than to come together in the way that you're saying to see one another's ego and soul and um, all the pieces and parts in between. Can you talk a little bit about how one navigates and, and, and perhaps in your own relationship when they're in that very, very human place, how they shift a little bit from that ego way of seeing one another or that back and forth and constriction to getting to the place of soul? And if one does it, will the other simply fall in line with that? Or then are we just fighting soul to ego at that point? Yeah, that's a great, great question and place to dive into some of these topics, I think. We really encourage a practice we call soul dialoguing. And soul dialoguing is when we create a two-way conversation between our egoic self and our soul self. Egoic self, just to quickly redefine, is who you you know who you think you are is how we define it and then the soul self is the voice of love of wisdom but it's also your unique version of love and wisdom and so everybody has a unique soul an energetic imprint and a unique way of navigating life because we all have different destinies we all have different purposes to fulfill and just different flavors of unique love And so we created a conversation between our egoic self and our soul self, and we can ask questions as simple as, you know, hey, soul, why am I stressed today? You know, why do I feel anxiety in my chest? And then we pause and we try to receive that answer intuitively. And we have lots of exercises, uh, like Elisa said in our book, about how to do that well and kind of weed out all the monkey mind voices. I'm going to pause you right there, Adam, because we have to go to commercial break and we'll continue that when we get back. As humans, we often misinterpret the internal voice of love. Depending on your upbringing, we may misinterpret needy attachment or codependency as love. We may think love and our self-worth are based solely on our ability to provide for our partner financially. We may think love is solving every single one of our partner's problems and consistently rescuing them from their own uncomfortable feelings. We may think love is staying in a relationship till death do us part, even if we're desperately unhappy. Soul corrects these misguided beliefs by introducing us to real love. Love is not fear-based, clingy, or reactive. Love is holy and utterly complete, a force unto itself. To know love, we must take our human projections and limitations off love. We must come to the inquiry of love with an open heart, rational discernment, and a clean slate. This is from Elisa Romeo and Adam Foley's book, Holy Love, The Essential Guide to Soul-Fulfilling Relationships. I invite you to find out more about what they do by going to their website, holyandhuman.com. Definitely order the book, Holy Love, and access the meditations that are on their site. Once again, that's holyandhuman.com. We'll be right back with more of Elisa and Adam. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444, 
People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more? More joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships? More empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 Gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. I want to let you know that this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Relationships take work, especially the most important one you can have in your life, your relationship with yourself. A lot of us will drop anything to go help someone we care about. We'll go out of our way to treat other people well. But how often do we give ourselves the same treatment? This month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you that you matter just as much as everyone else does. And therapy is a great way to make sure you show up for yourself. You have to take the time to make sure that you're hearing you. This podcast, again, is sponsored by BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and listeners are going to get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash 11 and spell out the word 11. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash 11, spell out the word 11. If there is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp will assess your needs. This is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online you will always get timely and thoughtful responses plus you can schedule your sessions they are committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches and it is more affordable than traditional offline therapy 
financial aid is available. So BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. I invite you to visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash 11 and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Before we get back to my guest, I want to mention also that my brand new book is out, Living the Seven Blessings of Human Experience. There are moments when the human journey can feel like an uphill climb with both ordinary and extraordinary circumstances. Hidden in plain sight are a unique and unconventional set of blessings available to all of us to help navigate this thing we call life. This is the first in a series of three books releasing this year, and it is a multidimensional experience that is to help you shift into seeing all the different aspects of you broken up into the three different books. Living is out now. You can go to the banner at the top of the show page and go ahead and order your copy. Being is available for pre-order and will be released at the end of May. And Being goes right into the seven illusions that derail personal power, purpose, and peace. I dive into the illusions of social conditioning, which have to do with time, duality, money, hierarchy, identity, evolution, and war. It is a different kind of look at life, one that will help you deepen more into yourself to discover what you really believe and who you really are. Again, go to my website, iamsimran.com, or to the banner at the top of the show page. My guests today are Elisa Romeo and Adam Foley, and they've written a really beautiful book called Holy Love, The Essential Guide to Soul-Fulfilling Relationships. Holy Love combines Elisa's background as a marriage and family therapist and Adam's yoga training in somatics and mindfulness. Their unique soul-centered perspective is also informed by intuitive insights from their own marriage, experience raising two children, and the thousands of individuals and couples they have counseled over the years. Their work has been praised by well-known personalities, from thought leader Wayne Dyer to race car driver Danica Patrick. From their book, the majority of us experience the crushing heartbreak of our first fall from this rapture, the disruptive, cold, hard reality settled in. We all have different stories of our first disappointment in love. Maybe the feelings weren't mutual. Our beloveds chose someone else. Maybe they were defensive, traumatized, or noncommittal. Commonly, after the initial awe, the realization sets in. We've given our heart to a complete and utter stranger. Their love potential has been replaced by the messy reality of their wounded humanity. The character beginning to develop before us in no way matches up to the heavenly inhibition inhabitation we initially believed them to be. Welcome back, uh, Elisa and Adam. I want to mention your website is holyinhuman.com and that there are some beautiful meditations on that website to go along with the book. You were talking about soul-self dialogue, Adam, when I had to cut you off at the last segment. So I'd love for you to go ahead and complete your thoughts on that that you wanted to share. Yeah, uh, and I believe, also in your question, you were asking uh, if one partner does the work and the other one's unwilling. If, is there a shift in dynamic there? And I would say absolutely. And just to recap really quick, uh, I, the simplest form of soul dialoguing that I think anybody can do today in this moment is just to take three breaths and place a hand on your heart and just ask love. You can feel into your heart of hearts there, the core of yourself This is your essence, what makes you unique. And you ask that voice of love, what do you want me to know today? 
or what do you want me to know about this situation, anything that's a conflict within your life? So that is the simplest form of soul dialoguing. And we can take that further and further, especially in relationship when we're trying to deepen understanding. Um, and often we, you know, often we, we work with people where there'll be one couple, uh, one partner who's really into this work, who loves the idea of soul, who loves the idea of love being this holy thing, or the other partner is not even comfortable saying the word soul, you know. So this can happen quite often. But every time we still see a huge dynamic shift, even when one partner starts doing the work, because what happens is they start approaching conflicts and conversations very differently. And it, they come from the energy of unconditional love or with the intention to reach unconditional love. And often that shifts things so quickly because that's really all we're ever arguing about in relationships. Usually it's this, we have this longing, we really want to be recognized and held and seen in unconditional love. And conflicts and arguments start when we feel like we're not are when we feel like there's something blocking that from happening. We get defensive when we don't feel acknowledged, and what we all want is to really be seen. So when you acknowledge someone on that feeling level, on that soul level, without words, you don't even have to talk about it. The energy in the room shifts. We have a 13-year-old, and he's in 13-year-old energy right now, and um, it's really easy to go into ego of like, did you do your homework? Is this and this? Why is your room a mess? You know, And to take time to feel into his soul and to feel into my soul and have that connection of like, where are you today? How is the presence in the room feeling? Where's the being part of us instead of just the doing part of us to build that trust and safety? And he doesn't right now in particular love to talk about like spiritual things, but he does really open and, and start to glow and and radiate when that energy shift happens in the room. So it's the same thing with anyone. We all just like want to be acknowledged for who we truly are. I found both of your stories quite powerful, your personal stories of how you, uh, in a sense, had your own awakening to, uh, to the experience of holy love and compassion and seeing the soul of another. And in your book, you write, wherever there is violence, there's an inability to see the soul of the other. The value of these tough life experiences is that through extreme contrast, we are intimately introduced to our deepest, true, and holy nature. Adam, your your uh, experience through India and and seeing all of the trauma of, of people being killed, and then um, and then ending up in that bar where you are being basically beaten to a pulp. You write that they had projected the false power of anger upon me. I had just happened to be its sacrificial victim. They believed that overpowering me would take away a sense of powerlessness they had grown used to living with. However, I knew two things. Not only was it false and temporary power, but this moment was offering me an opportunity to discover real power. I'd like you to speak to those words specifically around uh, something happening in a relationship where there is is anger or violence, and then kind of span out to what's going on in our world right now. If we look at, at global events and even the war in Ukraine, it's, it's, it's kind of the same thing just on a bigger scale. And I'd love to have people correlate that so that they can understand the distinct difference between false power and real power and how they can see from the soul perspective. 
absolutely. The jump off of what Elisa was just saying, that longing to be recognized, we really have seen, you know, you can we can say that lightly. We can say that in a version that's a little more surface level of like, yeah, we want to be recognized, you know, for our feelings. and But really, when we start recognizing each other more and more, when we start peeling back those layers and recognizing the essence within somebody, their unique essence, then we start seeing something divine. And so my first awakening to that idea that that within us there could be a divine identity was actually from this experience where I could feel such projection on me. And so projection is, uh, for people that don't know, is just when there's something repressed in the unconscious that we are seeing or assuming upon somebody else that's not true. And so I got placed in this very strangely unique situation where basically I got was being beaten up in this bar for for something that somebody else had done. This other exchange student had really offended these people and offended the culture, uh, their culture, uh, but I had nothing to do with it. And I just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. So to really feel in that moment so much anger at me that was so misplaced showed me how lost these people were from being able to recognize any part of me, you know, or, or me recognize a part of them, uh, because they were so, um, so, so far off track (laughs) of anything true. It just exposed to me, uh, that there was, that there could be a true way of, of seeing one another interacting. And so I really think, and, really believe that if we can recognize that soul within each other, if we can recognize that beautiful, unique imprint within each other, that violence would be, we would be unable to enact violence on each other uh, because we can see anger for its flimsy quality and violence for its flimsy quality. Uh, So often what happens if, if we have been through some sort of trauma or we've lived a life where we feel like we need to protect our own safety. Uh, We will try to enact violence over others, manipulation, aggression, all sorts of things to distract the person and to avoid actually dropping down into presence, into dropping down into actually feeling ourselves and knowing ourselves. Because often before we get to that layer, when we start peeling back these layers, before we get to that divine identity layer, we first have to face the layer of our longing, our spiritual longing, or the layer of our sadness for not being seen in the past. Or So there's lots of emotions we might have to sort through. And often, as humans, we choose to just avoid that process. And instead, we, we will, that will manifest externally in a violent way. And it's considered in some circles, you know, woo-woo or out there, this idea of multidimensionality that we're more than just our egos. But really, it's the most practical and efficient thing. If our world leaders went through, when they're going through philosophy or ethics classes, if they had one class about introducing themselves to more than ego and themselves and each other, our world would be radically different in terms of 
violence. And it's hard because it's also not just mental, rational information, right? It's about melting the trauma and having real experiences of the work because we're not trying to just convince people or convert people to a philosophy. We're trying to introduce them to their love self. So the book was very, sounds like your books too, are meant to be a transmission and an experience. So you're not just gaining information, but you're really meeting that part in yourself and, 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 and understanding yourself in a whole new way. So it's, um, it takes participation on the ego of the reader to have buy-in enough to be willing to have the courage to start to put a toe in the water. And that can be hard work, can it? Sometimes, at least, especially you know, being a, a family therapist, do you bump up against people that just don't want to go there? Oh, absolutely. I think we all have it. We all have the life wish, which is like, I can do this and the world is my oyster. And then death wish, which is what's the point? And um, this is too hard and overwhelming and, and where trauma kind of freezes us. So that's definitely part of it. I also think there's kind of an astral part of that where there's a real energetic matrix that doesn't really want us to connect to this because when we connect to our soul, we're not manipulatable and we really are become free thinkers from the heart. And there's certain energies that don't love that, you know? So I think the resistance is inner and I think it's outer. It's melted within our media. Anytime an intuitive or psychics presented in a TV show, it's as a con artist or a crazy person. I don't, think that comes from nowhere. I think there's a huge history of don't have your inner sovereignty of your own spirituality, give it to someone else on a pulpit or a book and don't have any inner connection because then we're radical. Then we're dangerous to the old forces that have dominated for over 2000 years. In our next segment, we're going to go into the four spiritual relationships, but within the book, Holy Love, The Essential Guide to Soul-Fulfilling Relationships by Elisa Romeo and Adam Foley. They write, We often think of relationship as something we have only with others, but we also have a myriad of inner relationships with different parts of ourselves. The ego-to-soul relationship is one of these internal relationships. It is an incredible, powerful spiritual relationship. In this sacred meeting, the ego part of us, who we think we are, is introduced to our more vast and higher self, the soul. Through the ego-to-soul relationship, we learn how to align our smaller self as ego with our individuated purpose and inherent wisdom from our soul. And as in any relationship, intimacy grows with time and cultivation. The more we invest in this relationship, the more our ego will learn to trust and recognize our soul's wisdom. Again, my guests are Elisa Romeo and Adam Foley, and they are the authors of Holy Love, The Essential Guide to Soul-Fulfilling Relationships. Elisa also is the author of Meet Your Soul. You can find out more about uh, all that they do at holyandhuman.com. They also have their own podcast called Holy and Human, so definitely check that out as well. And most definitely pick up your copy of Holy Love, The Essential Guide to Soul-Fulfilling Relationships. We'll be right back after these messages. Do you want more more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships? 
more empowered community, greater fulfillment, and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides, and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Soul communion is wholly sustainable. In fact, it is the most sustainable type of love because it is the only form of love that is truly eternal. When you connect with anyone on a soul level, you connect to the infinite part of yourself, the other, and love, which all exist beyond death. Embodying love is the ultimate spiritual legacy we are here to incarnate. This love between souls lives in constant revelation and unfolding. It overtakes us in electrical states of union. It causes deep attraction, a passion that seizes the entirety of our being. In this union, we feel rapture at her voice, revelation in his hands, and awe in their embrace. Intimacy begins to feel like worship in bodily form, a love that is a true marriage of two complete selves. Holy love blends our finite character into our more divine existence, creating heaven on earth. This is from Elisa Romeo and Adam Foley's book, Holy Love, The Essential Guide to Soul-Fulfilling Relationships. You can find out more at holyinhuman.com. They also have a podcast called Holy and Human. Uh, there's another book by Elisa called Meet Your Soul. And... Um, I just invite you to get to know them on social media, follow them on Instagram, uh, and start to open yourselves up to seeing love from a different perspective and being love in a different way. So let's dive into the four spiritual relationships, because I think that that's 
probably key to beginning to understand that multidimensional part and how we can begin shifting from ego to soul and then eventually soul to soul. Yeah, the first relationship, so basically in every relationship we usually see it as one relationship. It's you and I and, and we're talking and we're doing things together. But we break it down. There's these four other, four total relationships happening. So there's ego to ego. So in Adam and I's relationship, that's Elisa and Adam. We're kind of, Elisa has feelings and opinions. Adam has feelings and opinions. And uh, sometimes they match, sometimes they don't. We can argue about those things. We could get defensive resistant. We can identify those feelings and work through them. You know, So that's most people's whole relationship, this idea of the ego, who we think we are, in relationship with the other person's ego, who we think they are and who they think they are. So, you know, and that's challenging enough to to do good reflective listening and to honor our feelings and identify them and to do inner child work, like all that stuff. So that's important. But then we start to have this multidimensional, the first holy relationship, which is your ego to your soul. So again, in terms of the iceberg, the part above the surface communicating to that part under the surface where the dreams come from, where the body awareness comes from, where energy field comes from. So then Elisa is starting to become conscious of herself as an entity of love, as my soul. And we have people name your soul or hear the name so that you can build a conscious relationship with that part of yourself. And the name becomes a placeholder to start to really work you. I remember once when I was talking to my soul years ago in my journal, I said, you know, how do I know I'm not just making you up? I feel like this could just all be imagination. And she said, I'm making you up. I'm the energy mm. of love that you came from. I'm the energy behind every atom in your body, every cell that's been created. Right? So Elisa with her hubristic ego can think, this is all I am, but I'm not beating my heart right now, you know, right? So where's the energy of love behind those mechanistic actions of the physical body coming from? So we start to create a relationship, a conscious, intimate, alive, in-the-moment relationship with that part of ourselves. And that's where intuition comes from. Intuition is the voice of the soul. So now we're opening up a broader perspective for how we see our problems, how we see our challenges in life. And that relationship I introduced in my first book, Meet Your Soul. And that's a deep dive that is so enjoyable to go upon. Then we also have the relationship between you and another person. So then how does that multidimensional relationship look within physical relationship with another so now it's got um so the third relationship is the ego to their soul relationship and one way to see these relationships as well is just categories for qualifying uh the the feeling of the moment and identifying uh the qualities in in the interactions and so you can ask yourself hey does this interaction feel uh, just purely egoic an ego to ego reaction or am I coming from my ego now or am I coming from my soul now and so the third relationship is my ego to their soul it's the ego to their soul relationship so this is are you in relationship to their soul are you able to get intuitive information uh, about what's going on with them on a deeper level 
uh, beyond their ego. So are you seeing them for what they do for you, their actions and their words? Are you in relationship to their essence? And to Uh, get particular, that would be, so Sophia is my soul. So that third relationship is Adam in relationship with Sophia. Is he able to consciously on an egoic level connect and feel my soul, my energy body, and all those other places that maybe Elisa can have a blind spot to. And you talk about in the book, like renaming your soul something else so that there is this almost dialogue between the two. I'd love for you both to talk about it from a very practical sense of Adam and Elisa and a conflict taking place. What happens there? Like, like, are you... I want people to understand, is this something quick where you're automatically able to stop and then switch into the the soul soul self? Or, you know, does the human have to play a certain part out and then you step back a bit and then come back and meet soul to soul? Yeah, we are huge supporters of our human selves, too. And all of our practices are wide enough, have a broad enough container that they can hold all of our messy parts. So there's no part that of us that needs to perfect our fix ourselves before we're ready to do this work in fact it's healing in and of itself and so um and just to before we move on too quickly the fourth relationship is the soul to soul relationship so this is the relationship our souls are having whether our egos are aware of it or not and we can get back to that through an example so an example could be let's say elisa's having a lot of anxiety one day what if she's having anxiety about if our kids get into a school or not uh something like that and so on an ego level i could take all that experience at face value and be like, oh, wow, Lisa's really anxious. Um, now I'm feeling a little anxious. Maybe I'm trying to solve her uh, problems for her because I don't like this anxious feeling. And so we're both just really engaged in this story of worry about if our kid will get into this school or not. But if I'm first able to step back and connect to my soul. And we always encourage people to give their soul a name because soul is such this ambiguous, big concept that it helps us hone in on the information. If we can substitute that concept with a name for now that represents unconditional love and all knowing wisdom. So I call my soul Thomas. That name has worked for me for years, but the name can also change. So don't get too caught up on the name you pick. Uh, It can evolve over time. And so I would step back and I would ask my soul, I'd say, hey, soul, I'm feeling anxious. What do I need to know right now? And I might hear something like, Elisa's just in a panic attack. You need to step back, take three breaths. You know, he would guide me through that. And the voice of soul always feels recognizable. It's never this feeling of, wow, I've never heard of that before, or this feels like a foreign voice. It's always a, a deep voice from within that feels very familiar. And there's always a part of our ego that's kind of like, oh, yeah, I knew that in the back of my mind. A part of me knew intuitively what the information I'm getting. And then from there, I can then ask, hey, what's going on with Elisa's soul, you know, with Elisa right now? So I'll intuitively start dialoguing with her soul. And the information I might get is, hey, she associates the kids getting into school, this school or not. If they're going to be successful later in life, they're going to be happy adults. She's basically putting all of her 
um, anxiety as a mother into this experience because, but it's really because she wants them to be ultimately happy. And so then now I have an opportunity to address what's really going on instead of just anxiously tiptoeing around this issue and trying to solve it at that level, I can say, hey, wait a second, let's stop, let's breathe. I need you to know that our kids will be okay, you know, and that they will have happy lives. So I can be, so we can have a, a deeper dialogue about the issues be underneath everything. And then the soul-to-soul relationship is me then asking my soul, hey, what might be the spiritual purpose of this behind these events? Why may have destiny led us to this point? Why might this be orchestrated for my highest good and her highest good? And we might be getting an answer of something like, you guys are have just reached a point where you're now allowed to let go of those anxieties as parents and realize that if you can do that, that is actually more fulfilling for everybody involved. And, and so that's just a... And I could also look at the soul contract between my son and that school. Is it a soul match for him? Is he meant to be at that school or is it not a fit so that the ego isn't running the whole ship? And in terms of how quickly we do it, we've done this for years, like 10 years together. So we do it very quickly. Um, Sometimes if you're caught in a fight, it takes a second to remember you can do this. Like, oh, yeah, I'm just I've. I have access to this resource. So it's coming out of the fight or flight enough to kind of calm and center to then dive in to the, to the deeper knowledge. Well, I want to thank you both for a really beautiful book. Um, There's so much more in this book that we could go into, but we are running out of time again from Holy love, the essential guide to soul fulfilling relationships. Love is our spiritual superpower. It has the strength to change our lives, our relationships and the world Reacquainting ourselves with the holy and transformed nature of love does take some practice. We need mental clarification coupled with embodied action. The path of consciousness is to know love, to become crystal clear on what it is and what it isn't. This book, Holy Love, The Essential Guide to Soul-Fulfilling Relationships, maps out the grounded information as well as providing meditations, inquiries, and practices to apply it to your life. The path of holy love is a sacred undertaking for those willing to be transformed. Instead of giving or receiving love, we become love itself. Imagine that, a world of people becoming love itself. Thank you, Elisa Romeo and Adam Foley, for your work on the planet and for being here. It has been an honor and a pleasure. Definitely tune in to their podcast, Holy and Human. Pick up their books, Holy Love, and Elisa's other book, Meet Your Soul. And while you're at it, you can order my new book, Living the Seven Blessings of Human Experience, and really dive all the way into that multidimensional personality and relationship. Until next week, I am Simran, in love, of love, with love, and as love. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality. Your heart to greater compassion and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.